Probably the quickest way of getting into this again is to just read the story. It won't come up on the screen because I didn't ask the AV guys to do that. But, but let me just read this story. If you've got a Bible with you, turn with me to Exodus chapter 15, beginning at 22. And uh, this is, as I said, a story about the children of Israel early on in their, their adventures with God, having been set free from slavery in Egypt. Then Moses, their leader led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah, which means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palms, and they camped there near the water. Let me just pray. Father, just thank you for your living word. It fascinates and intrigues us. It feeds and empowers us. And I pray, Lord God, that living water would flow through me this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there's, as I said, a lot of things I'd like to almost take the luxury of recapping on that, but there isn't time to do that. This morning, I'm going to be looking at this, this camp that they ended up in, in uh, Elim, verse 27. I think we have that. Thank you. And it said, uh, then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. And this morning, what I want to do, I want to finish this sermon, if I can do it, in about 20 minutes. I was going to do, preach a lot longer thing, but... I'm actually asked Rick whether he wouldn't mind taking the second part of it and preach it next week. Because this morning I'm going to have the band come up and give us an opportunity, as we do occasionally, not every other week, but once in a blue moon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down to the front and do a bit of business with the Lord. Now some of you are thinking, there's no way I am going down to the front. No way. Well, fine, great. But for some of you, you will know that you need to do this. And you will need to do it for a number of reasons, known only to you and what the Spirit of God seems to lay upon your heart. But I have this sense that what the Lord wants to talk about, and if only I can do it and communicate it well this morning, well, that would be wonderful. But there is this imagery. We looked at bitter water, sour water, if you like, last week. And this week we're going to be looking at living water, fresh water. And, and, you know, people, uh, it's a terrible thing to say, but you'll get the gist of what I'm, I'm meaning here, tend to fall into two char- one of two characters, characteristics. They, they either, if you, if you kind of rub them up the wrong way, they just spout out stuff. It's not pleasant. I remember Graham Cray, the uh, principal of Ridley College, who I, I knew quite well years and years ago, saying, you know, when you shake a cup, when it's full, something spills out. Christians should be full. The question is, what are they full of? And there are some very sour Christians. I think I've met a few. Do you know any? Have you ever met a sour Christian? Oh, my goodness. 
It's a shock because what should be life-giving is actually, uh, it leaves you feeling, sets your teeth on edge. And really, I suppose, I'm asking the question, and you'll see how it unfolds in just a moment, but is what is within us tainted? Or is it life-giving? Is, 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 when, we're, when, we're, when we're shaken up, do people get a glimpse of what it looks like to, to be you know, full of faith? To, to be working on living out this Christian life and being Christ to the world, light to the world, salt to the world. More of that next week when Rick preaches. So, so that's the kind of era I'm hoping to try and unpack a little bit this morning. What the church aspires to be. Sadly, what the church doesn't always prove to be. And, and our part in that. And so there will be an opportunity at the end of this talk for you to come down and, and just stand along the front here. And the ministry team will pray a blessing on you. And Maybe it'll be a big deal. Maybe it won't be a big deal. But, but it'll just be an opportunity to say, look, I know where I want to go. And this is maybe where I've been. But I don't want to stay at the pool of Mara with sour water. I want to move on to the pools of Elim, the living water. So that's kind of where we're going this morning. Let's just look at this verse. I deliberately didn't go on to it last week. Verse 27, then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camped there near the water. Now one of my good friends, David Campbell, is the, one of the, I suppose you call him a bishop in the Elim Pentecostal church. And I guess this is what they were referring to. This is what they aspired to be. This was the kind of place, the kind of people, and the kind of person that they wanted to represent. A place that was an oasis. And can you imagine? It's difficult for us to uh, imagine, but, but can you try and imagine you know, what it must have been like for this slave nation who'd been through life and death adventures, who'd nearly been overcome by the, the Egyptians who were in pursuit of them, who then got out into the desert initially full of joy, only to discover that there was no water, no food, no nothing out there. And then they, they're given this, this salt water, this, this sour water to drink. And, and they're asking themselves questions like, is this what it's going to be like? Is this how it is going to be? As a follower of Jesus, and do you know, I don't, I'm not going to ask for your show of hands. I'm going to put my hand up. Because sometimes as a follower of Jesus, not having been raised in a Christian family or anything, not having no context or background by which to judge this, there have been times where and I've thought, is this, is this it, Lord? Is, is this what it means to be a follower of Jesus? This kind of stuff, and the stuff that rises up in me, and, is, and the, this is what we've had to put up with and be subjected to, and... This is what my friends think of me now. All these kind of things, you know, and there's that spirit that has risen up in me. And my dear wife has stuck with me and helped me through that kind of thing. But I know what rises up in me all too easily. And so the children of Israel, they were in that place of real, oh, what? You mean we gave up, we gave up food, three square meals a day for this? But anyway, the Lord sweetens the water and he leads them onto this place. And this, uh, that's kind of a, I think that's a computer generated picture of an, an oasis looking at it now, but uh, it looks a bit weird, doesn't it? But anyway, they came to this oasis. It does look a bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> they came to this oasis. And what that must have been like. It's going to be okay. Oh, this is wonderful. Let's stay here. Let's hang around here. 
And actually, there's something prophetically going on. You know, the Lord often speaks through uh, situations. Sometimes I, and I'll do this frequently, you know, as I go through my daily life, my routine, my, my, my little adventures, as we all have, I say to the Lord, what are you wanting to show me in this, Lord? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's thought-provoking, sometimes it's challenging. But I, but I expect God to speak through circumstances, through the natural world. If he's the creator God, if he's the Lord of all, if he's at work out there and not just in here, which he is then I can, I can engage and, 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 and expect him to communicate with me and I with him and learn from these things I see around me. Sometimes they're the simplest little things. Sometimes they're complex and intriguing things. But actually, this, this isn't so complex, believe it or not. Twelve springs, 70 palm trees... There is prophetic you know, imagery in all of that. Some of you know this already. Well, I'm going to let you in on the secret if you don't know. The 12 springs represents the 12 tribes of Israel. You see, the people of God are supposed to be a, a source of living water. Not the, the bitter, cruddy stuff, you know, the sourpuss stuff, the cranky, old, miserable Christian stuff. The 12 springs represent the 12 tribes. The people of God are supposed to be the source. That's not quite true, but I'll unpack it in just a moment, so hang in there with me. The 70, the figure 70, represents the nations. The nations. And where are these palm trees growing? They're growing near the source. How are they able to grow? Because the source, the, the source is, is turning this desert into an oasis. I love it that Anne Main wants to meet with or, or, or you know, ask advice of, of, of Linda Hall and our people. I love it that the Hertfordshire Constabulary talked to us about our child protection policies. I love it that you know, we build community centers in the jungle of Kerala. I love it that this local church is behaving like a movement as opposed to the local church doing what the local church should do. You know, I was blessed, as I said, about this this conversation I had with the fee guys, and they were telling me that there is a man who's been living in the woods at Lemsford for 20 years. Forget his name now. What was his name? <laughs> He's been living in the woods. In fact, uh, Andrew, do you know his name? No. The Lemsford man, that's what we call him. Anyway, through a long... Uh, well, not too complicated, but there isn't time to go into all the details. We have started leaving food for the Lemsford man at Rick's Grillery or something, or whatever it's called. It's one of these burger, bar, burger vans. And he gets groceries from us from now. We gave him a pair of boots. This is just a little thing. But social services are now, uh, are, are now working with us because, uh, to be honest with you, when they house a lot of these young, single mums, there's not a, nothing in the larder and where the food is going out. So your, your feed contributions are are already making an impact. You see, it's not just the cozy old Christians looking after one another, and please God, we're supposed to do that, in case you didn't know. But actually, we are supposed to be a source of life. 
You know, as, as Rick will be preaching next week, people are supposed to see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. The children of God, it was always his plan that the church should be a source of life. So it's a place, and you know, we have a place here, and we, we use it as best we can. It's a people The church, the people of God, becoming life-giving water, working together, but working with simple individual acts of kindness. When you go on impulse, go and knock on a neighbor's door, an old lady you haven't seen around just recently, just check out whether she's all right or not. I tell you, those little promptings of the Holy Spirit, the, the most fun things I've ever found myself involved in have been in pursuit of those little promptings of the Holy Spirit. Sending a text to encourage an, you know, a, a friend on a wet Tuesday afternoon, apropos of absolutely nothing. I can't tell you how many times I've done stuff like that, and you have too. And the friend comes back and says, do you know, I just had a review. I felt like that, and then I got your text. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Little acts of kindness that add up to a lot. Add up to significant life-giving moments. So Elim is a place, and now thank God, because of his grace and goodness, we have a place. It's also about the people of God you know, being life-giving water to the community, but it's also about the person of Jesus. He's at the very center of all of this. And at John 7, there is a passage which I'm going to sort of wind up this time before we have a little bit of more worship and ministry. It's an extraordinary passage, this. John chapter 7. This is Jesus. Jesus Christ. We are Christians here. We are followers of Jesus. We aspire to do his will. We aspire to know him as our savior. You see, the word of God says this, that that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only son. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Whoever, doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, what your story is, what the background is, whoever you are, whoever believes in him, should not perish in this life and in the life to come, but should receive that free gift of eternal life. That's what this is about. Life in this life and life in the next life. Very often Christians have misrepresented this eternal life. They've, they've kind of projected it all onto the future in the world to come. And they've, been, they've thought that's justified an austere and miserable way of life in here. This life doesn't matter. It's the life of the world to come that we're, we're focused on. That is a lie. A misrepresentation of the good news of, the, of, of what we call the gospel. Jesus' life. It's life for us now. It's like getting our marriages right, like Mike and Lizzie are doing. Getting our alpha stuff right. Talk, allowing people to express their inmost fears and disappointments. Very often, actually, as Rich will tell you, people aren't disappointed with God. It's the church that has disappointed them. We have to take responsibility for this. And people make up the church. But it's actually all about Jesus. And here is Jesus. Let's read this this passage here, this, this couple of verses. On the last and greatest day of the feast, 
Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Ah. So Elim is a place, a place we could possibly go to now. The people of God are someone we can join with on a Sunday basis anywhere in the world. You know, I have worshipped in all sorts of situations, countries and abroad, and sometimes the language has been foreign to me, and I've not been able to sing the songs because I didn't know the words or the melody. Maybe you're visiting this morning. Maybe that's what you felt about our worship. Yeah, you, you know, your toe tapped a bit, but you couldn't really get into it because it was just different and foreign and, and strange to you. But you know what? What I've observed as I visited these other churches in the, the old sort of East Germany and Czech Republic throughout Europe, uh, you know, in, in America, in, in India and beyond, you know, I've observed that at the very center of this worldwide local church worship, it's the same Jesus. I recognized him. I recognized him. You know, we had this lovely social do that some of our team arranged just before Christmas, uh, the Western Shindig, and we all got dressed up as cowboys and Indians, but there wasn't a single person that went to that that I didn't recognize immediately. Even though some of them were trying to look, you know, the guys were trying to suck their stomachs in and look like cowboys, look butch, and all these kind of things, but there wasn't a single one. I thought, who is that? Everyone I recognized. And in these far-flung places where the people of God meet, where there's a genuine desire for the local church to be a source of refreshment, encouragement, good news, I've recognized Jesus there. I've recognized Jesus. And please, God, if you're visiting from a, a, another continent this morning, another country, and just sharing this morning with us, as Rick has already said, thank you for giving up your morning, I, I really pray that you will recognize Jesus here, whether it's strange or familiar or whatever. But Jesus here, interesting. You know, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry trying to kind of almost suppress the enthusiasm of the, cl- the crowd because once the news got out there, the whole world and his dog kind of swarmed in upon him. And, and it was sometimes scary he was once walking up this village, going to a rich man's house. A rich man's daughter was dying, and this rich man came in a desperate state and fell at his feet and said, please come and heal my daughter. The crush was so great in the, in, in the, in the alleyways going up to this rich man's house that people were, you know, people, there was a risk of people being injured. On another occasion, Jesus was on the beach, and he had to get a boat so he could get into the boat to pull away from the shore because people were pressing in upon him. There were thousands of people desperate for reality. Not the reality they had been sold. Not the reality that their parents had projected upon them. The aspirations and ambitions that had been foisted upon them. They wanted, they were at a stage where they were desperate for reality. And they recognized reality in Jesus. And so a lot of the time Jesus had to kind of take actions in order to try and keep everybody safe. When there was a food handout, he got everybody to sit down because he knew a riot would break out. Just as we see riots in 
these terrible refugee camps and these dire situations in Gaza at the moment. I hope you're praying for Gaza. You know, these situations where people are desperate and they, get, they, they, they just behave in a way that, that they wouldn't normally behave. And Jesus got everybody to sit down now. Come on. Come on, guys. Get them to sit down in ranks and rows and let, we'll do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this in an orderly fashion. A lot of times, so Jesus had to take some pretty practical you know, steps. I mean, we're having to take practical steps about our carol service. There were so many people in there. It was fun, but it was scary. And, you know, we're going to have to take some practical steps this year. So we, 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 we have a great time and nobody gets hurt. So here we are, Jesus, who's had to consider these health and safety issues. <laughs> but at this feast... The last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles it was. It was the closing ceremony. And everybody and anybody who was anybody had crowded into the temple courts. They were camped outside if they couldn't get in. All the important people had managed to get in, of course, and others. And in the middle of this ceremony... Suddenly Jesus, who'd been dialing things down and being a bit enigmatic, jumps up. Now he was known as a rabbi, and when rabbis taught they sat down, it was a sign of their status. Jesus stands up. What's that that rabbi from Galilee doing? He stands up. And it says this, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. You see, as a follower of Jesus, when we're shaken, sour water is not supposed to splosh out. You know that, of course. To my shame, I know that. What's supposed to flow out of me is life-giving water. It's not my responsibility. I don't have to dig a well. I don't have to do anything. It's just something that will come in relationship, in a living, loving, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, the church is Elim. It's a place. I'm glad that the community knows that if they come here, they hopefully get some food, some advice, some counsel, some help. I'm glad that, you know, just as that oasis would have been seen on the horizon of the desert because the the palm trees were advertising its presence, I'm glad that people can see a church and, and, and really reasonably expect there to be some kind of help there of some kind. Not always the help that people want, but it's some kind of help. I'm glad also that, that, that you know, the people of God are more important than the building. That, that we're rising up to this. And over the last 20 years, particularly in the vineyard, but in many denominations, we've been really majoring on what we call equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Not just the priest who did it all, but the saints, the people of God. Because the people of God are the church. And they're supposed to be life-giving. And as you go out and engage with people in your families, your communities, your, your workplaces. So, so the news gets out there. But the bottom line in all of this is that Jesus is the true source of living water. And the extraordinary thing is, 
But he says, you're thirsty? If you're thirsty, if you want reality, if you want to be cleansed from sin, if you want God to begin to renew your mind, if, if you want the Lord to begin to break addictions, if you want the Lord to, to begin to help you to prosper in a shalom way, meaning a whole way, not just money in the bank and all else is going to hell, if you want that, the Lord says, come to me. Come to me. But you know what? As I give to you, so it's supposed to flow through you. So are we, what are we like, folks? I'm really praying that there's not going to be a mass stampede down here, but I really am going to encourage you to come forward. And just say to the Lord, Lord, you know, where I am at the moment, not everybody has to do this, but where I am at the moment, I know I need more of your life in me and through me. There's no point in pretending. It's what, what I need to do. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up now and Ask Sam to just pray something appropriate. I'd ask you all to stand, please. And I'm going to say a little prayer. I actually managed to finish early, which is a miracle in itself. There is a God in heaven. But you know where I'm going with this. We don't have to wander around the desert looking for living water. We can find that in Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Take his words for it. If you're thirsty, if what you've been up to and about has made you feel dry as a bone, come to me. I've got living water. And it'll Bubble up within you and set you free. Let's just pray. Father, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you for your presence and thank you for this message of hope at the beginning of this year and a challenging year it may be. And we know, Lord God, how we want to set our sights on being a life-giving community. We want to set our sights, Lord God, on you and every single man, woman, and child among us. We, wanna, we don't want it second-hand, third-hand, passed down, passed on, or passed out. Lord, we want, we want to, to receive it from you, living water, and have it bubbling up within us. Now, before I do anything else, I'm just going to ask you, if, if, if you recognize that prayer as being something that you would want to identify, just raise your hand where you are now. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Not everyone, but many of you. Great. And now as, as Sam leads us into a worship time, I, I just invite you to, to say to your neighbor, excuse me, and just to come down at the front and spread out along the front. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask the ministry team not to get hooked up with, with in-depth ministry with any particular individual. Just let everybody at least have a hand placed upon their heart, women to women, men to men, or their head, and, and us ask God to refresh and renew them. Come Holy Spirit. Okay, well, so why don't you just stop moving now, folks? It's difficult for you to caught in the middle of a row because it's embarrassing. But just say to your neighbor, excuse me, I, I'd like to get out and just come back. Spread along there, please. Thank you. Spread right round, right round the sides. And the ministry team will come along the front here. That's great. Spread right round, folks.
And this is really going to be between you and God. Don't start thinking, well, I hope that person prays me. Oh, I don't want that person to pray for me. Spread right round. That's good. It's the best we can. Wonderful. Now I'm going to pray the blessing, and in about five, ten minutes, folks, you can be dismissed. I don't know that I'll come back up. But I'm going to pray the blessing now and then hand over to Sam. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you never tire of us. Sometimes we tire of ourselves, but you never tire of us. And we're here, Lord God, at the beginning of this new year, wanting to be recipients of a message of hope, but bearers of a message of hope. So come, Holy Spirit, let your spirit now rise up, fall down, pass through every single person who has presented themselves. This is between you and the Lord Jesus, the source. You've tapped into the source, folks. Nothing secondhand here. You are getting it straight from the Word of God, straight from the Lord Himself. And as far as you're able, receive from Him now that living water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Sam.